It's uh, because this is playoff Sunday to a lot of people in our world today. Um, when you get thousands of people loving the same thing and proclaiming and glorifying the same thing, it's phenomenal. Can you imagine what's going to be like in heaven on that first day after the rapture when there are thousands of people glorifying and praising God? What a great thing that'll be. Our, our, our music and bands will be morphed compared to what that's going to be like. I can't wait to see that and to be a part of that. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We are almost done with eschatology. I didn't hear anybody say amen. <laughs> We've almost completed our study on... We started with Romans 9-11. through How that God, God's people, both the Jews and the church, are God's people. Both of them are. And that He has a plan for each of them. And then we went into Matthew chapter 24 and 25 where Jesus Himself talks about what that looks like at the Olivet Discourse. Chapter 25 we were dealing with recently. Basically this morning we're going to see in the text in Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30. We are not going to get through all that this morning. Um, but from verses, verses 1 through 13 we already talked about two weeks ago. And the message is going to be that Christ is saying is we need to be alert for the second coming of Christ. We need to be prepared for the second coming of Christ. And we need to be busy before the second coming of Christ. Amen? In anticipation of them. All those truths are found in this text. The first one is found with the parable of the virgins. Therefore, be on the alert, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Folks, the Lord is coming back, and we do not know the day or the hour, but we need to be ready. Amen. In this text, in verses 1-13 through 13 of chapter 25, so this is telling us we need to be on the alert. Chapter 25, verses 1-13, through 13, which we've taken three Sundays or two Sundays to preach on, we need to be prepared. Remember the virgins, ten, ten virgins came they were anticipating the coming of the bridegroom. The bridegroom in our lives is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He is coming again for us. And we need to be prepared for it. The ten virgins were, hey, He's coming. The music's playing. The dances are happening. He's coming. The wine's going to be drank. And so what did they do? They all got out there in the hustle and bustle and came out, all ten of them. And five of them are like, oh, I have no oil in my lamp. Well, maybe I could rely on somebody else to give me the oil. No. They weren't prepared. They did not participate in the wedding ceremony because they weren't prepared. They had not put their faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. That's what it's trying to say. They were not saved. They were not born again. They were not believers. However you want to couch that, whatever terms you want to use, they were unprepared. Half of them were unprepared. That was the first parable. 
The second parable, by the way, it's interesting to note, verse 25, look at verse 1. The Bible says, then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to... Do you all see that? That's important for the next verses we're going to deal with. Verses 14 through 30 give us another parable. It's called the parable of the talents. How many know what a talent is? When the Bible talks about talents, most of the time it's talking about money. It is not that talents equal money, it's that talents weigh money. Now, how many want to know what that looks like? Come next week and I will show you. The reality is, I've got pictures of talents, and I'm going to show you as we exposit the text. This morning we're basically introducing the text. Because here's the issue. Um, the, The issue, the principle that we're going to be preaching on for the next two weeks is, be busy. Be, God does not want us to be in a monastery up in hoo-hoo land watching the birds and the bees and wondering what people are doing all over the world. God wants us to actively be giving the Gospel. Amen. By telling people what Jesus did in my life. He died for me. He rose again for me. He lived for me. Why? So that I might have eternal life with Him. That is the good news. That is the Gospel. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, he is going to explain other issues of what the kingdom of heaven is compared to. And it's compared to this type of thing, and we'll explain it in just a second. But Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is our text. And what we want to see, just like Paul would say in his letters, he says, Well done, good and faithful slave. By the word, by the way, by the word slave there. Do not have a whipping chain, a chain around their neck. That that is not here's here's what we do most of the time. When we hear these words in the Bible, we instantly go back to what we know because we've been taught, and we take our cultural slave ideas and impregnate them into the text. That is false. It's wrong. It will not work. This text, good and faithful servant, good and faithful employee, is the idea. You were faithful with a few things. I will put in you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. <coughs> so the outline that we are going to follow in chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, is... First of all, money was given to the slaves. Verses 14 and 15. So they were given a responsibility. The employee was given some responsibility he was to do. Number two, express what they, they took that responsibility and how did they stewardship it. In other words, the stewardship the slaves exemplified. What did they do with the responsibility they were given? By the way, does that some vaguely familiar of even what we do today? I would answer in excruciating, yes, absolutely. Thirdly, in verses 19 through 23, we will see the master was pleased with how the good servants used the talents they were given and therefore he blessed them more. It's like totally anti-culture today 
Man, you did really good with what your life. You worked hard. Therefore, I'm going to give you more. Now, you worked hard. I'm going to take what you get. I worked hard for it. I'm going to give it to someone who doesn't work. Do we see that? That is our culture mantra today. This is the antithesis of that. Master, he was pleased and rewards the two slaves that were that did well with what they with the responsibility they were given. And then lastly, the master was very displeased and judges the slave. I can just see it, and I can't, I can't wait to go through this, but I can just see this last slave. I think we've all heard this story before. Here's the last, the two guys, they, did, they got five and two. And <coughs> I have some water back on that uh, window if someone could grab that for me. Um, and here's this one guy who tooks, takes the talent and says, oh, 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 what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? Just like when I get to work, and there's a thousand things to do, and I'm in, I'm a state of, uh, uh, how many understand that? What do I do first, right? Well, this guy says, I, I, I don't know what to do. I know, I know, I'll hide it, and it'll be for safekeeping. And that's exactly what he does. And that hesitation, that not work, no work ethic comes out in full bloom and God judges that man. And we will see that in verses 24 through 30. All right. How many know where we're going? How many can see it, understand it? It's in the text, verse by verse. All right. We're going to start by expositing just the first little bit here. The Bible says, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. I'm sorry, verse 25, chapter 25, verse 1 says, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable. Jump over to verse 14, for it is, or in some of your versions, it, just like a man. What is the it? And it is a pronoun. How many would agree with that? <coughs> if you're like me, I am blessed with a grammatically correct wife. How, think, how do you think that goes well in some, time, all the converse, some of the conversations we have together? Especially me that's kind of low-key and always perfect in what they says. Sarcasm. I hope you got that, all right? Man, I get excited and then I say things I didn't know I said or whatever, but it, the point is, my wife always tells me, place... What is the antecedent to your pronoun so I know what you're talking about? Right? Where's the antecedent to your pronoun? Well, that, that's the issue in this text. What is the antecedent? Okay, so we know this verse 14 through 30 is about it. <laughs> well, the issue is what is it? Right? <coughs> usually, usually, when searching for an antecedent in a text, it is usually the closest noun that precedes the pronoun. Usually. In this case, it's a little bit different. Because what he does is he's giving two parables that explain the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is compared to ten virgins. Then he goes on, kingdom of heaven is compared to, if you will, the talents. How many understand that? So the it refers to the kingdom of heaven. It will be comparable to the ten virgins. It is comparable also to the talents. Now, what does that mean? 
This is where eschatology gets difficult. How many know everything about eschatology and you're dogmatic, you're, you're for sure, and you know it all? Thank you. None of us do. This is where it's very difficult because these parables, are they talking about tribulational saints? Well, I will tell you this. <clears throat> the parable of the ten virgins is talking about the coming of the Son of Man. When does He come? After the tribulation. Therefore, technically speaking, this parable is concerning you need to be prepared for when Jesus Christ comes again physically. Now, <coughs> when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, usually we talk about the millennial kingdom. Is it talking about the millennial kingdom? I don't think so. I'll just be honest. I don't think it is. It's talking about something different. It's talking about before the Son of Man comes, not after. Thirdly, this parable, these parables are talking about the church age saints. <coughs> How could they be talking about the church age saints? Well, here, I'm not saying it is. I'm asking the question, is it? Well, they... Technically speaking, no, it's not. Principally speaking, yes, it is. Because who are we waiting for? We're waiting for the coming of Christ in the clouds in the air. So, here's the reality. Technically speaking, contextually speaking, it's probably tribulational saints. Probably. But, let me ask you, how many of you here are tribulational saints? Raise your hand. By our eschatological ideas, we're not tribulational saints. We are not waiting for the literal return of Christ on the Mount of Olives. We are waiting for the return of Christ in the clouds that we will meet Him in, called the rapture. So, even though this text is concerning probably the tribulational saints, it is principally applicable to both. How many understand this? Principally, we are to be ready for the coming of the Messiah in the clouds in the sky. Amen? <coughs> Just like tribulational saints need to be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ on this earth. We need to be ready. And that's the whole point of this. Be alert. Be prepared. <coughs> I am sorry. My wife said every time I get excited, I cough. It's a true statement. I just don't know how to not be excited. Because the text is going to be... I'm, I'm so excited. Here's what I'm going to do for you today. We're, we brought in a country western song for, to play here today. In the middle of the service. Now that's weird. What's going on here? <laughs> Please don't leave yet. All right. <laughs> All right. The context is prob probably tribulational saints waiting for the second coming, but the pr principle is relevant for today. How many understand that? The principle is certainly relevant for today. Let me tell you and show you why it's relevant. Throughout Scripture, Jesus has, God has given us this over and over and over again. He who gathers in the summer is a son who acts wisely. But he who sleeps in harvest is the son who acts shamefully. What is that saying? 
Work? Is that not saying that? Be busy. Let me ask you, are we in the time of harvest on this earth? The fields are white. The cotton has sprung. The flowers have bloom, bloomed. It's ready for harvest. <coughs> the people of this earth need the Lord. They need to be given the Gospel. We need to be out there sowing and reaping. Amen. Bringing in the sheaves, if you will. Proverbs chapter 10 talks about that. Psalm chapter 95. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Then look at the text. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your heart. What is that? Let me ask you. Can, maybe this is a term you would be familiar with. Is this talking about redeeming the time? Yes or no? Today! Don't wait around! Today is the day. Do not harden your heart. <coughs> Today is the day. And these are just principles. I'm not equating these with um, church age and all this. I'm not doing that. I'm just giving you a principle that has been around here forever. Seek the Lord when while He may be found. Why? Because there's going to be a day when it's too late. We need to redeem the time. Call upon Him when He is when? What? Near. Why? Because there's a day there's no turning back. Heaven and hell are real. Eternal damnation is true. And all those that do not put their faith and trust in Christ will experience eternal damnation and hell. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 5. See then, now we're talking about church age people now, right? See then that you walk how? Circumspectly. Not as fools, but as why? What does he say right there? What does it say? Redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. I'm glad I don't live in an evil world. Again, sarcasm. This world is putrefied. Everywhere you turn, it's sick. I'm expecting... I had a, a, a doctor, Brownfield, called me and said, Hey, Tim, I know you're preaching on eschatology. What do you think? Where are we at? How, how, and is this that? And I said, No, I don't, I don't go to this is that. By the way, don't ever go this is that. Alright? You'll probably be wrong. Um, that's, the, that's the Antichrist. You know, we've had probably 40 Antichrists as President of the United States. I, I don't know. But you, you know what I'm talking about. Don't do that. No man knows the time or the hour. Nobody does. So the reality is, just be busy about your Father's business. Let the world be what it is. Preach the Word. <coughs> he said, what, what? He said, this is what I told him. I said, hey, brother, here's the deal. I don't know that we are in the birthing pains. I don't know that we are. I think we are not. But I think it's Braxton Hicks. In other words, 
there are things going on in this world right now that make us think of the birthing pains to come in Matthew chapter 24. Does that make sense? They absolutely do that. All right. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. How? Redeeming the time. There's no time to waste. There's no idle time. There's no just, oh, I can just chill now. Redeem the time. Another one, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. I normally don't do all this, but I have to set this up, okay? Behold, now is the acceptable time. What Does that give us a time frame in that verse? Absolutely. Don't wait. It's now. Now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't wait. There won't be any time later. It's now. It, frankly, you could say, in a sense, it's now or never. And many people are taking the never. John chapter 12 says this, For a little while longer, the light is among you. And this is not the church age. This is when Jesus was here. So Jesus is talking to His disciples. And this is, this is fantastic. And he, He's saying, he's saying listen, for a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have this light. <laughs> that darkness may not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, because I am here, believe in that light in order that you might become the sons of light. In other words, it's redeeming the time again. Spend time with me. <coughs> is what Jesus is saying. By the way, He's saying that to you today right now. Spend time with me today. Let me ask you, we got the Yahtzee, we got the, we got the phone game, we got whatever else game there is on the... I don't know what all game there is. A uh, 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 crushing fruit? I, I, candy, that's what it is. I, we got all that stuff. We can do our whole life. You can spend your whole life doing that. How many people are dying and going to hell while you're doing that? Literally. We need to spend time with Christ. Now, the reason we have this song coming up shortly is because there is a nominal Christianity out there today. There is a false professing Christianity out there today. And there's a worldview Christianity out there today. Did you follow all that? God doesn't want any of that. He wants and desires committed believers. Amen. And if we're going to be just like these talents, which we're going to exegete next week, just like the talents that the slaves were given, I'm going to use it for God's glory to glorify Him. And then He Gave him benefits. <coughs> we need to be using the gifts that God has given to us. Psalm chapter 139, verse 16. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and your, in your book we are all written. The days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was none of them. Well, let's use our little thing here. When there's a pronoun, you've got to look for a what? Antecedent. What is the pronoun at the end of that verse? 
when as yet there was none of them. So what's it talking about? The days. There is a point in time where you're going to die. Unless the Lord comes again. Amen? Has God appointed death to all men? Yes, except those in the rapture. You will die. God, does God know the day and the hour and the time? Yes or no? Are those ordained by God? We are all going to die unless the rapture takes place during our lifetime. We're going to die. Let me ask you, if we know we are going to die, how would you live? So I've, I've had people that have called pastor, they call me pastor, uh, I got cancer. And I've heard people, well, I'm, I'm going to go to Alaska and shoot a moose and I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that and I'm going to do that. What should the Christian response be? I'm going to love the Lord and I'm going to be about His business. Whatever that looks like. How many understand that? John chapter 9, verse 4. We must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. I mean, does it get any more clear than that? Work the works of Him who sent me while it's day. While I can. Do you know... <coughs> <coughs> I will never preach in heaven. I'm to work that work down here. Amen. I'll never be able to extend a hand of helping somebody or encouraging somebody in heaven. By the way, nobody in heaven needs encouragement. I, 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 can't, I can't sing on this earth with my raspy voice. <laughs> In heaven. I need to work those works. Now, I can't tell people about Jesus Christ in heaven. Right? There's no witnessing in heaven. <laughs> None of that takes place. We can, it only takes place here. Are those responsibilities God has given us? Yes or no? Just like the talents He's talking about here. Now, what I'm going to do right now, I've never done in my entire life. And I'm almost hesitant to do this, but I think it's, it's helpful. I am not preaching against country western music. How many understand that? I'm not saying, it's evil, it's evil. But I will tell you, when you listen to secular people, you'll get secular worldview. I'm going to tell you that. Is that fair? Alright. This song... We as Christians should think about what he's saying and answer the questions that he asks. The song is by, I don't even remember the guy's name. No, 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 no. Is my music up, please?
said I was in my early forties with a lot of life before me. When a moment came that stopped me on a dime, I spent most of the next days looking at the X-rays, talking about the options, and talking about sweet time. I asked him when it sank in. This might really be the real end. How's it hit you when you get that kind of news, man? What'd you do? And he said, I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fumanji, and I And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. He said, I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. I became a friend a friend would like to have, and all of a sudden going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three times that year. I lost my dad. Well, I, I finally read the good book, and I took a good long hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fumanji, and I looked deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I've been denying, and he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you would die, like tomorrow. And you got eternity to think about what you do with it. What did you do with it? What did I do with it? What would I do with it? Skydiving, I went. Rocky Mountain climbing, I went. Two point seven seconds on a full Someday I hope you get the chance 
I'm not trying to indoctrinate you into country western music. That's not why I brought it up. I do not know the Apostle McGraw. <laughs> I will tell you this though. I'm not here to judge him or to say this was wrong and that, that's not why I'm here. I will tell you this. Number one, are we dying? Are we living like we're dying for Him? As I watch this video, I can see myself in many of those things. Yeah, I want to go do that. I want to go do that. I want to go do that. And I can also see, yeah, I, I need to talk sweeter. I need to forgive people I haven't forgiven. I can almost put myself in there and that's shameful as a Christian. How many understand this? Um, we must be redeeming the time. And there's a plethora of distractions the world has given us. And the world has taught us that those things are the cool, fun things. It's because it doesn't know what being in Christ is. They have lost perspective. They have no idea the rest we have in Christ. The joy we have. The less stress we should have. <laughs> because He's our sovereign God. And there were some wonderful things He said. Wouldn't you agree? I'm not going to go on the negative. I don't have to do that. Although, Fu Manchu, I thought was a hairstyle, but whatever. Um, <laughs> the point is, the point is, we can identify with these good things he said. Maybe I can add a tweak. Instead of, I read the book for the first time. You should be saturated in that book every day. Amen? This is the love letter from God. The husband we are about to meet when we die. We're not here much longer, folks. Life is, <coughs> Life is but a fog of vapor. And it's gone. Lord willing like the snow. The point is, we don't have much time. I remember as a teenager, man, I'm going to live forever. Now I'm over 50. I ain't living forever. And if I keep doing what I'm doing, two more years is about it. <laughs> the point of the matter is, can we... The question, I, I just want to ask you, please. I think, I think Mr. McGraw was spot on with nominal Christianity, worldview Christianity, or unsaved. Spot on. Problem is, this is my opinion. 
I think that is the norm in Christianity today. We have done everything for ourselves and we leave the leftovers for God. How many understand that? What would happen? That brings us to the question. Because that's what the whole text is about. What would happen if Christians lived like they were dying? Because we are. We're frail humanity, depraved, and because of sin, we deserve death. We will die unless Christ comes in the rapture while we're alive. What would happen if Christians lived like they were dying and pursued all God has given us to do while we have time? What would be... Would it be different? I will tell you this. Maybe this is the best thing. Paul would have never sang that song. But I think most Christians do. Am I making sense? Is it impactful? Because the text is bearing this out. Mark chapter 9, Whosoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, Truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Are you kind to people? I mean, can you, can you literally, there are, and, and I'll just be honest, I, I'm still in seminary class. So I've been in seminary uh, most of my time here, or a lot of time since I've lived here. I got my master's down at Minneapolis and I'm getting a doctorate now in Shef at North Carolina. I have rubbed shoulders with people, kids, young people. What are you getting to drink? Well, then I can get a big job. For what? Well, then I'll make money. For what? So I can live a normal life. What does that even mean? Literally, what does that even mean? We are here for the glory of God. That is the purpose we're here. Therefore, I don't care if you are mopping the, the dirty bathroom floor. By the way, they were dirty. I don't care if you're vacuuming. I don't care if you're ditch digging. I don't care if you're cleaning out your sewer tank. The glory of God has to be the purpose. Amen? It doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people, well, I'll get a job so I can witness to people. I'm glad. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. But do the best you can with the job God has given you. Whatever that may be. Unless it's sin, obviously. God never condones red light district uh, people as far as their occupation. But whatever it is, baking cookies, cupcakes, uh, eyeglasses, Making sure we got power. <laughs> By doing those things, we are literally serving other people. And that needs to be our focus. When does the Bible ever say, serve yourself? When does it ever say that? 
Let me ask you, Christmas just, how many remember Christmas just went by? <clears throat> by the way, I was, I was concerned about playing that song because I, I didn't want to see um, Joanne or Mrs. LaPlante skydiving. <laughs> I didn't want to encourage that. I remember what I was saying now. I saw these young young ladies there, and I just remembered I was going to say that. <clears throat> I lost my train of thought. Unless someone wants to give it to me. Oh yes, thank you. Illustration: another window into this text. Christmas. Here it is. When your twenties and thirties and forties and Christmas comes. What's the greatest joy if you give gifts? What is the greatest joy during that time? The giving or the receiving? It's the giving. You want to see their, their bright eyes and their big smiley face. You want to hear them laugh. I've been, I keep telling my wife that. I said, listen, I show you these things because I love to hear you laugh. <laughs> I don't think it's funny. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but giving to people, isn't that our lives? Isn't that what we are to do? The Bible says two things. Love the Lord your God with all what? <laughs> your heart and soul and mind. And love others as yourself. He commands us to love others. How's that going? That's what we're doing in this life is we're serving God by serving others. Loving others. Caring for one another. Helping one another. Praying for one another. Weeping with one another. Laughing. <clears throat> laughing with one another. <laughs> right? A few more and we'll close. Again, this is not a normal service. You know that if you've been here. Usually it's word for word, verse by verse, but I have to set this up to what's going on here. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, and each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed by fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If a man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If a man's work is bur burned up, he will suffer loss. Do, do you see how this is pertinent to what we're dealing with? What you do in this life matters to God. And it matters for eternity on rewards that you will be given or lost. What is it? Now let me ask you, we many times wood, hay, stubble all over the place. Had this conversation with Dr. Bowder here last week. I was at a wedding down in Minneapolis and I sat down, took Dr. Bowder out to eat because he's my mentor, my hero. And I said, Dr. Bowder, what I'm seeing is these guys in the seminaries, they want these double-decker houses, brand new car, black shining in the street and all this and this and that and I don't get it. 
And he looks at me and with a smirk, I get it. He would be embarrassed that I tell you this, but I've never met a more humble man in my life. He was the president of the seminary and he lives in a house that's probably maybe, maybe 24 by 24. Maybe. Little postage stamp of a house. But I tell you what, his life is about growing young people to serve the Lord. Turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter... Well, you don't have to. I'm gonna, I have it up here, but if you'd like to look in your Bibles, just to make sure that I'm on cue here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1-13. through 13. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1-13. Finally, brethren, pray for us. I love this. This is phenomenal. Pray for us that the Word of the Lord will spread rapidly and glorify. Let me ask you, what was Paul all about? Preaching the Word. I don't care what your job is. Do it the best you can and preach the Word in it. Do it the best you can though. Don't be the guy that sloughs off, yet he's the token Christian on the crew. How many understand that? Ooh, that, that gets under my, ooh, <laughs> that gets under my gra, craw. My, my gra. <laughs> the issue is this. If you aren't working hard at your job, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly going to say this, check your salvation. Christianity demands work. God expects work. Do the best that you can in whatever your job is for the glory of the Lord. Here's what Paul said, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified. It's interesting he said, pray for us because I own a Chevy and it's not working again. Or something of that sort. Got it? He's not worried about that. He's worried about one thing. I want the, the, Lord's, the, the Word of the Lord to spread rapidly and for God to be glorified. Just as it did with you. Do you remember? That's what he's trying to say. And that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. For not all have faith. Amen. And if he was living today, I wonder what he would say. Oof. But the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you. That you are doing and will continue to do what we commanded. Do you see the words doing and do? do you that, that has the idea of you're actively working for Christ. Amen. That's the word. That's what's going on. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Why? Why did Paul say, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God? Because you will worship what you love. Amen. And if you truly love God, I will tell you, I'll tell you what, your life will be saturated with the Lord. Just like when you were dating and you loved your wife or your bride, soon-to-be wife, you wanted to be with them all the time. You wanted to give them gifts. You wanted to serve them. They want to open the door for them. You want to be that person for Christ. Amen. That's why God has given you this gift of love. Into the steadfastness of Christ. Let's keep going. Now, we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is first, still 2 Thessalonians 3. You can still follow along. I think it's in verse 7-ish right now. 
Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life. And not according to tradition which you re- and not according to the tradition which you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Did Paul just say, listen, you need to follow our example. You know what that looks like. You need to follow it. What was that example? Because he did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. We didn't act undisciplined. Nor did we, listen to this, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Do you see what he's doing? Literally, he's saying, listen, I am not, even though I, and he's going to, I'll try, yeah, I get too excited on these things. Not because we do not have the right to be paid by you, is what he's saying, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, so that you would follow our example, for even when we were with, even when we were with you, we used to give you this order, if anyone is not willing to work, then don't let him eat. Ah, that's where that verse is. I knew it was somewhere. It's in the context of working for the Lord. Do you see the context? That's pretty phenomenal. Let's keep going and then we'll go back if we have time. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all. In other words, they were not living as they were, as if they were dying. How many get that? Not at all. They were, they were leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all. By the way, he compares a no worker to undisciplined. But acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion, and eat your own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Keep serving God. Whatever that looks like, keep serving Him. Let's go back to... Oh, what did I do? Ah, I was going the wrong way. Okay. <clears throat> this is one I want to stop on. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our examples. What did they do? They didn't eat anyone's bread. They didn't rely on everybody else's work to serve them. They wanted to be the one serving. Does that make sense? And it wasn't pride. It was for the glory of the Lord. It was for focused on God. Not only did they not eat the bread, but we labored hardship day and night. Literally, they are. he is saying, listen, I worked, I came, I preached the word, then I went out and I worked my tail off. Came back and preached the word. Went off and worked my tail off. Why? Because the ministry of Christ is the greatest importance in my life. 
And if I have to work in order to do that and serve you, then I'm going to do it. Even if it's day and night and toiling. How many understand this? It's exactly what he's saying. And yet we have seminarians. Yeah, if church can't pay me $100,000, you know, they're not looking for me. Why? I'm 22 years old and just graduated. Don't they understand that? No, frankly, we don't. And if that's your attitude, you should go back to grade school and learn how God works through people. And it's not about you. It's about Him. I think this, this is a phenomenal... How many, think, how many have ever seen this, looked at it this way before? It is... Man, it's awesome. So here's what they did become. I wanted to bring that out too. They became busybodies. Do you know what they were doing? Lord's going to come. Let's just wait and see. That was 2,000 years ago. Do you know what the brides did, or the, 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 um, the, the virgins did for the wedding? They slept, waiting. The principle is yes, we need to be alert and be prepared, but in this text now, it's and you need to be busy. You need to be about the work of God. You need to be doing the work of the ministry. Amen. How many of you are ministers? Every one of you are ministers. If you're a child of God, you're a minister. How? You're serving other people. You're ministering to other people. Whether that's your in, in family or out family or all of the above, you're ministering. Do it with everything you've got. Paul said it this way. At the end of it, he said, I have no greater joy than to see that my children walk in truth. What was he saying? I am The greatest joy I have is seeing you that I was able to give you the Gospel. You came to a saving knowledge of Christ and you're living for Him. There's no greater joy than that. Now, is he a liar or is he telling us the truth? Do we act like that? I, I tell you, I have, I have moments because there's times I would love to have my 300 Win Mag on my shoulder with a 70-inch bull moose in front of me. All that is going to burn. It's all going to burn. This is what matters. We are out of time. I'm going to start with next week. There's only like two passages left. And we're going to go right from those two passages right into exegeting and ripping apart the text so we can see, yeah, that's exactly what this is saying. No questions. Amen? Folks, let me ask you, as you leave today, remember this. It's kind of hard not to. Am I living like I'm dying? Because that phrase, 
should spurn in your mind all these texts that we just read. And if we're going to be honest, each of us probably will say, including myself, no, I don't always live like that. And it's a shame. Rodney, can you come and close us in a word of prayer, please? Thank you for our church. What a convicting message you I pray that we will examine our hearts as believers and understand that we need to redeem the time. We're about the business of giving the gospel to people that we're not comfortable giving to, but that's why we're here, to serve God in that manner. That's called the Great Commission, and we, we need to do that, Lord. And for those who do not know Christ who are here today, you're running out of time. The day of salvation is now. The gospel of Jesus Christ is here. And we want to see you saved. Father, just help us to be about your business and help us to understand that we're in Christ. We're not living for self anymore. That our whole life is about being in you and serving you. For all that you've done for us, that's not very much to ask, Father. Just be with us as we go out today, Lord. And thank you again for all that you do for us in Christ. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.